Doctors are some of the most important figures in society. We trust them with our lives based on their extensive amount of schooling. They even take the Hippocratic Oath to swear that they will do the best they can to help the patient. Harold Shipman was a respected member of his community, and he built trust with his patients, but he would betray them in the worst way possible. Welcome to the story of Dr. Death. Shipman was born on January 14, 1946, on the Bestwood Estate, a council estate in Nottingham, the second of the three children of Harold Frederick Shipman, a truck driver, and Vera Britton. He was pretty close to his mom, who died of lung cancer when he was 17. Her death came in a rather particular way. She had morphine administered at home by a doctor. Shipman witnessed his mother's pain subside despite her terminal condition until her death on June 21, 1963. On November 5, 1966, he married Primrose May Oxtoby, and the couple had four children. He studied medicine at the Leeds School of Medicine, University of Leeds, graduating in 1970. Shipman began working at Pontefract General Infirmary in Pontefract, West Riding of Yorkshire, and in 1974 took his first position as a general practitioner at the Abraham Ormerod Medical Center in Todd Morton. The following year, he was caught forging prescriptions for pethidine for his own personal use. He was caught with enough on him to kill hundreds of people. He was fined 600 pounds and briefly attended a rehab clinic in York. Although he was fired from his job, he was not removed from the General Medical Council, the doctor's regulatory body. Instead, he received a warning letter. He worked as a GP at Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde, Greater Manchester in 1977. He is believed to have killed at least 71 people while working at Donnybrook. He continued working as a GP in Hyde throughout the 80s and established his own one-man practice called The Surgery at 21 Market Street in 1993, becoming a respected member of his community. He would often go to his patients' homes and deliver medication to them. He is believed to have killed over 100 more people at his own practice. In March 1998, Linda Reynolds of the Brook Surgery in Hyde expressed concerns to John Pollard in the corner of the South Manchester District about the high death rate among Shipman's patients. In particular, she was concerned about the large number of cremation forms for elderly women that he had needed countersign. Police were unable to find sufficient evidence to bring charges and close the investigation on April 17th. However, the investigation failed to carry out even the most basic of checks, including whether or not Shipman had a criminal record. If they had asked the medical board what was on his file, they would have seen that he had forged prescriptions in the past. Shipman had also covered his tracks by adding false illnesses to his victim's record. As a result, the investigation couldn't find a cause for concern. After the investigation was closed, he killed three more people. He would diagnose the patients with a disease that they didn't have as an excuse to inject them with a lethal dose of dial morphine. He would then watch them die right there or send them home to perish. A few months later in August, taxi driver John Shaw told the police he suspected Chipman of murdering 21 patients. Shaw became suspicious as many of the elderly customers he took to the hospital, who seemed to be in good health, died in Chipman's care. Chipman's last victim and the one that would ultimately do him in was Kathleen Grundy, a former mayor of Hyde, who was found dead at her home on June 24, 1998. He was the last person to see her alive. He later signed her death certificate, recording the cause of death as old age. Grundy's daughter, solicitor Angela Woodruff, became concerned when fellow solicitor Brian Burgess informed her that a will had been made, apparently by her mother, 
with doubts about its authenticity. The will excluded Woodruff and her children, but left 386,000 pounds to Shipman. <laughs> okay. Woodruff went to the police who began an investigation. The whole thing was unbelievable, she later said. The thought of mom signing the document, leaving everything to her doctor was inconceivable. The concept of her signing a document that was so badly typed didn't make any sense. Grundy's body was exhumed and found to contain traces of dial morphine. Shipman claimed that Grundy had been an addict and showed them comments he had written to that effect in his computerized medical journal. However, police examination of his computer showed that the entries were written after she died. Of course they were. Shipman was arrested on September 7th, 1998 and was found to own a typewriter of the same type used to make the forged will. The police investigated other deaths Shipman had certified and investigated 15 specimen cases. He discovered a pattern of his administering lethal doses of dial morphine, signing patients' death certificates, and then falsifying medical records to indicate that they had been in poor health. In 2003, David Spiegelhalter, a respected statistician, suggested that statistical monitoring could have led to an alarm being raised at the end of 1996, when there were 67 excess deaths of females aged over 65 years, compared with 119 by 1998. Shipman's trial began at Preston Crown Court on October 5th, 1999. He was charged with the murders of 15 women by lethal injections of dimorphine all between 1995 and 1998. These women were Mary West, Irene Turner, Lizzie Adams, Jean Lilly, Ivy Lomas, Mariel Grimshaw, Mary Quinn, Kathleen Wagstaff, Bianca Pomfret, Nora Nuttall, Pamela Hillier, Maureen Ward, Winifred Meller, Shipman's lawyers tried unsuccessfully to have the Grundy case tried separately from the others, as the motive was shown by the alleged forgery of Grundy's will, like he probably wasn't doing that with all the other ones. On January 31st, 2000, after six days of deliberation, the jury found Shipman guilty of 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery. Mr. Justice Forbes subsequently sentenced Shipman to life imprisonment on all 15 counts of murder with a recommendation that he be subject to a whole life tariff to be served concurrently with the sentence of four years for forging Grundy's will. Shipman became friends with fellow serial killer Peter Moore while in prison. Peter Moore, or the Man in Black, stabbed and mutilated four men from September to December 1995 saying it was for fun. Shipman denied his guilt, disputing the scientific evidence against him. He never made any public statements about his actions. His wife, Primrose, maintained that he was not guilty even after his conviction. Shipman hanged himself in his cell in H.M. Prison Wakefield on 6.20 a.m. on January 13, 2004, age 57. He was pronounced dead at 8.10 a.m. A statement from Her Majesty's Prison Service indicated that he had hanged himself from the window bars of his cell using his bed sheets. Some of the victim's family said that they felt cheated, as Shipman's suicide meant they wouldn't have the satisfaction of a confession, nor the answers as to why he committed his crime. Shipman's death divided national newspapers with the Daily Mirror branding him a cold coward and condemning the prison service for allowing his suicide to happen. However, The Sun ran a celebratory front page headline 
Ship Ship Hooray, the independent call for the inquiry into Shipman's suicide to look more widely at the state of UK prisons as well as the welfare of inmates. The Guardian had an article suggesting that whole life sentencing be replaced with indefinite sentencing, for this would at least give prisoners the hope of eventual release and reduce the risk of their ending their own lives by suicide as well as making their management easier for prison officials. Yes, like we need more murderers going out on parole. Shipman's motive for suicide was never established, though he reportedly told his probation officer that he was considering suicide to assure his wife's financial security after he was stripped of his NHS pension. Primrose Shipman received a full NHS pension. She would have not been entitled to it if Shipman had lived past the age of 60. Additionally, there was evidence that Primrose who had consistently protested Shipman's innocence despite the overwhelming evidence, had begun to suspect his guilt. Shipman refused to take part in courses which would have encouraged acknowledgement of his crimes, leading to a temporary removal of privileges, including the opportunity to telephone his wife. During this period, according to Shipman's cellmate, he received a letter from Primrose exhorting him to tell me everything, no matter what. Shipman was eventually cremated on March 19, 2005. The cremation took place outside of normal working hours to maintain secrecy and was attended only by Primrose and the couple's four children. Normally you would think, okay, the guy's been arrested, he died, he's been cremated. The story should be over, but it's not. In January 2001, Chris Gregg, a senior Yorkshire police detective, was selected to lead an investigation into 22 of the West Yorkshire deaths. Following this, the shipment inquiry submitted in July 2002 concluded that he had killed at least 218 of his patients between 1975 and 1998, during which time he practiced at Tom Morden and Hyde. Dame Janet Smith, the judge who submitted the report, admitted that many more deaths of a suspicious nature could not be definitively ascribed to Shipman. Most of his victims were elderly women in good health. In her sixth and final report, which was issued on January 24, 2005, Smith reported that she believed that Shipman had killed three patients, and she had serious suspicions about four further deaths, including that of a four-year-old girl during the early stage of his medical career at Pontefract General Infirmary. In total, 459 people died under his care between 1971 and 1998, but it's uncertain how many of those were murder victims, as he was often the only doctor to certify a death. Smith's estimate of Shipman's total victim over that 27-year period was 250. The General Medical Council charged six doctors who signed cremation forms for Shipman's victims with misconduct, claiming that they should have noticed the pattern between Shipman's home visits and his patients' deaths. All these doctors were found not guilty. In October 2005, a similar hearing was held against two doctors who worked at Tamiside General Hospital in 1994, who failed to detect that Shipman had deliberately administered a grossly excessive dose of morphine. In 2005, it came to light that Shipman may have stolen jewelry from his victims. In 1998, the police had seized over 10,000 pounds worth of jewelry they found in his garage. In March 2005, when Primrose asked for his return, police wrote to the families of Shipman's victims asking them to identify the jewelry. Unidentified items were handed to the Assets Recovery Agency in May. Authorities returned 66 pieces to Primrose and auctioned 33 pieces they confirmed were not hers. As of early 2009, families of over 200 of the victims of Shipman were still seeking compensation for the loss of their relatives. In September 2009, letters Shipman wrote in prison to friends were to be sold at auction, but following complaints from the victim's relatives and the media, the sale was withdrawn.
The shipment case and a series of recommendations in the shipment inquiry report led to changes in standard medical procedures in the UK, now referred to as the shipment effect. Many doctors reported changes in their dispensing practices and a reluctance to risk over-prescribing pain medication, which may have led to under-prescribing. Death certification practices were altered as well. The forms needed for cremation in England and Wales have had their questions altered as a direct result of the shipment case. For example, the person organizing the funeral must answer, do you know or suspect that the death of the person who has died was violent or unnatural? Do you consider that there should be any further examination of the remains of the person who has died? It feels like we'll really never know how many people died underneath shipment's care because Again, he killed himself before he could say anything. Like, he, he never said anything. So now we have to wonder and guess. It's really just up to people to guess. Because all these numbers now are just guessing. But it's still just unbelievable. Just the things he was doing. Like, he was... I, I guarantee you that Kathleen Grundy was not the only person whose will he had for... I mean, he had forged. He, just, he was probably forging all these people and stealing their... And stealing their money as well as their jewelry too so it's like that's even crazier that a doctor would do this but um that's the story of harold shipman thank you for listening i really appreciate you for listening to me tell the story this is a very unique story when i first came upon it because it's like the sheer number of people that they i think died they could it could be even more which is unbelievable it's crazy but uh thank you for watching i hope you enjoyed this I'll leave a like Hit that subscribe button. Uh, please be safe. I'm out. Peace.